Hi, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relight, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week, and you can follow us on social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we have the first of our High Republic Phase 2 wrap-ups, focusing on the young adults' books as well as the comics. But be before we get into that, hi, I'm Liv. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me everywhere at Olivia Amidala. And my brain worm this week isn't Star Wars related, but it is, in fact, Taylor Swift ruining my life. <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, formal apology if you did witness me having a breakdown on the timeline on Friday evening. Um, I have nothing to say for myself, but know that it will happen again. <laughs> All right, Hayden, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> of course. Hi, my name is Hayden. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me on TikTok at taika.ytd and on Twitter and Instagram at mcuytd. Uh, and my brain worm of the week is, hold on, I'm finding the exact phrasing. One moment, please. Uh... Okay, I found it. My brain room of the week is we can have him shirtless as a little gift for Balance Nation. When I tell you, I read that preview at work, okay? I, several things happened in the span of an hour that were mostly linked to the Bionic Hunters 34 preview, but I think the largest of them was the fact that Balance was just tits out for no reason within <laughs> the what four or five pages that we got in the preview and then we commented on it of course because we are hashtag balance nation and then ethan quoted liv's tweet with a picture of the script for bounty hunters 34 that included we can have him shirtless as a little gift for balance nation so yeah, I think the general brainworm has been the Bounty Hunters 34 preview, and then more specifically that we can have him shirtless for Balance Nation as a treat. But also, I was rereading Target Vader the other day, which also, by the way, is a great fucking miniseries for anyone who wants to start getting into Star Wars comics. And I'm not biased, it just genuinely is very good. And the, the phrase, you belong to the stars, Baylert, occurs as like V-Wings pass by, and then in the Bounty Hunters 34 preview, Balance is playing with a tiny little V-Wing when he's talking with his mom and his dad, which also we got mom alert, Balance's mom, who I thought was out of the picture because according to Target Vader, she just like wasn't there, but we, he has a mom that's present. You know I, that, you know that she's going to die at the end of the issue, right? Yeah, but still we have like mom that, he Happy was scary. The thing that he implied <laughs> on Twitter, I don't trust him. She's we have dying. Mom alert. We have mom alert for now. It's okay. Hey. That just means that Valance gets to be a Disney princess. Something that <laughs> um, Ethan also commented on the other day on my. He is in fact a, can a, a canonical Disney princess. Um, <laughs> yeah, he will be closer to being a canonical Disney princess because all Disney princesses basically have dead moms. So you know, slay. Anyways, Emily, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, I am Emily. You can find me on, uh, she or pronouns, you can find me on Twitter at Stardust M. 
and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore. Did I say Twitter at Stardust Dev? Or did I say TikTok? I don't know. You can find me on TikTok <laughs> at Stardust Dev and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Stardust Dev, unless Elon, unless they do go through with the inactive accounts and then I might be able to get it without the underscore finally. <laughs> um, my brain of the week also not star wars related but related to lives which is taylor swift yelling at a security <laughs> guard during bad blood <laughs> that was so funny the way that she like incorporated it into the song yeah beautiful hey stop <laughs> <laughs> wonderful no, it's been i just keep getting the video hey stop, hey, stop. <laughs> She walks away so angrily, like it was perfect. Also, the song it happened during <laughs> that that was funny. That was cosmically funny. <laughs> yes. Uh we have special guests. So I don't know which one of you wants to introduce yourself first, but um I'll go first. Uh I'm Leah, she her, um, at Deus Ex Valorate uh pretty much anywhere where it's worth following me um <laughs> and some places where it isn't uh sorry tumblr um, <laughs> my tumblr has lain inactive since willow ended um That's so sad. <laughs> but, uh and my brainworm of the week oh, well there's so many to pick from i think i'm going to have to go with nash durango's mom and mama because every time that she refers to her moms, my heart flutters a little bit. Yeah. So true. That's what we're going with. <laughs> in like a MILF way or like, oh, what a cute relationship with the mom way. In like a, oh my gosh, they're talking about gay people in a show for okay. preschoolers <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> so true. <laughs> in a I'll be Star honest. Wars show for preschoolers. Yeah. Like, how how does that show have uh, more queer representation than pretty much any other visual media for Star Wars? It's High Republic. It's because it's High Republic. <laughs> you see, the fall of the Jedi Republic, Order, you know? the reason the Jedi Order fell was because they got homophobic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're so right. Once Stella died, they're like, mm, can't tolerate gay people anymore. Like we said, once Cantum died, Yoda became homophobic. <laughs> so true. <laughs> we hate to see it. <laughs> Truly. I mean, understandable, Cantum's amazing, but it doesn't Yeah, excuse. they're the best. I think Cantum's death indirectly leading to the fall of the Jedi Order is just mwah. If Slap. I had for a them. nickel for every Star Wars character, prominently known for their sideburns whose path of self of self-discovery was catalyzed by falling in love with a man um that involved and that falling in love with a man resulted in them leaving the order that they were basically raised into that they were an integral part of um and then they end up leaving that order and going on this journey of self-discovery I would have two nickels and they're Cantum and Callus. <laughs> is it a lot but it's weird that it happened twice I'll be honest I thought you were talking about Co for a second there but we'll get to that in the literacy <laughs> corner so true 
Mac, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Mac. I use she or her pronouns. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ardoc Ranch or on TikTok at Mac to Reality or on Tumblr at Vildar Mac. And don't find me on Instagram because it's not worth anything. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess my brain worm for this week is Tay Siric calling Vildar Mac Vil. Um, <laughs> that is a good one. Romance. Yeah, I have. I have been thinking about that like romance. nonstop. Actually, I've just been thinking about the High Republic comics in general nonstop for like the last mm, since November. Um, <laughs> so, so valid of you. So valid. Yeah. So justified. <laughs> so true. Huh. Well, in the event of that, what happened this week? Did we get any Star Wars news? I can't remember. Uh, I think we didn't record. Like we, it was after we recorded, but we got more of the Pride covers. Yes, we did. We had the Cantum and the Cantum one and the Valencia one. Which let's talk about that Valencia variant because they listen. I'm all for the Pride variants. Last years were great. Most of this years are great. How could they drop the ball that bad? like every other one is like perfect they had the perfect opportunity to do the first live action lesbians second and then oh second sorry (laughs) the other ones had a pride cover last year yeah and it looked good and it was a a great cover (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what happened with this one i honestly don't they look like i I think lila said this or said they look like two strangers at a coffee line (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I said they look like coworkers, you know, like <laughs> like Roby Which I guess technically they, they yeah. are technically they are coworkers, but <laughs> I mean but like a little more than that. that Kathleen and Jin are co-workers. Jin are co-workers. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh. But they had no more than like five tender hand holding scenes, and this yeah. is what we got. Yeah. It's, I gotta say, I'm, I'm disappointed for the people that let this happen. <laughs> I was so excited for it. I was like, oh, I'm like, and now I'm like, I still will get it, but I'm a lot less excited. Like, Cause like, they look like that. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> Cantum one slayed though. Yeah, yeah the Cantum can- one. Cantum looks phenomenal. They're slaying. Yeah. Let me pull it up again with that yeah and putting it on the yoda that was just really yeah that's that's yeah yeah this one looks mm -hmm. also a note about that ugly ass pride logo what happened to the one that they did last year that one was perfect it was it was like retro styled it was simple it was nice I don't know know what the fuck happened there. (laughs) I'm personally of the opinion that Pride logos and Pride merch should be as ugly as possible. (laughs) Um, Yeah, make it count. Exactly. I want it to wrap back around to like, (sighs) you only wear it ironically. (laughs) My favorite piece of Pride merch, the Cantum Psy Yoda variant. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Is it not? (laughs) 
I think that's why I actually do like the target uh with lesbians no I was sure gonna say because like it's so like it's tail I guess like it's it's good (laughs) exactly exactly I gotta say most of the I think the theme of the pride variants this year is live laugh lesbian (laughs) I mean yeah it's basically Afra city and then Valencia and I'm not complaining I love all the characters from Afra (laughs) but um when will Sinjur Rothvelis get is due. <laughs> Why like, was Cantum like their token non-binary? <laughs> and all of the, the lesbians, they were like, oh no. <laughs> At least we yeah. have a man this year. At least we have a man this year. Mm-hmm. So, so you true. Know. Next year is Valance. Next year's Valance is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh, wait. That's a good segue because now we have balance, Bosk X balance after the Bounty Hunters 34 preview. Kaden and I manifested this. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. We did in fact manifest this when we I I thought it was just a silly joke, and then Ethan started retweeting everything about it. <laughs> now I'm like, maybe. <laughs> Listen, is this if this is how we get canonical bisexual balance i'm okay with it <laughs> because okay then it. it opens the door for hard balance exactly <laughs> i i do just want to say unrelated but star wars news i guess uh a, a dj a connor roy edit has hit the djo <laughs> <laughs> oh my god noma sent me that <laughs> djo just retweeted if, uh, an edit that's an, if you're in line to vote for connor roy stay in line <laughs> <laughs> make it our president so absolutely love that we haven't recorded since i finished catching up to succession um can you think of anything else that happened this week or in the last couple weeks I guess Young Jedi Adventures came I mean, out. Yeah, I guess we got Young Jedi Adventures and Visions. <laughs> and Visions. That, oh, I yeah. Have, I haven't watched it either yet. Visions Neither have so I. Ah. Visions was like genuinely so good. I didn't care for season one. So I wasn't excited for season two at all. But it was like so good. Season so one, good. I feel like there were like one or two episodes that I was like, I love these episodes. Like, mm-hmm. like I liked all of season one, but there were like some standouts. I feel like this season, I feel like every single episode, I'm like, I love banger this after banger. Yeah, like I, I, I think the optimal strategy to watch Visions and Young Jedi Adventures is to start watching Visions, and then when you start crying and can't stop, <laughs> then you start watching Young Jedi Adventures until Very your heart true. has healed a little bit, and then go back to Visions. And so true. I, How many episodes are out right now? Um, it really the whole season, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's like seven episodes. Oh, is that right? I mean, like it's technically fourteen episodes, right? Because it, the thing where it's like two episodes, two episodes per is, um, episode. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But yeah, my vision's watching technique was watch the first one, then watch Screechers Reach cry watch screechers reach again cry and then take an hour break to cry 
<laughs> and that, that was me with In the Stars. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I feel like I cried after almost every episode of this. Yeah, I cried after most of the Oh episodes. no. Al's <laughs> song, that one had me crying a lot. The spy, be a, the spy dancer the spy dancer oh my yeah God. yeah one was i am your mother surprisingly i was sobbing after that one yeah, yeah. Um, and that was like the silly goofy one <laughs> i grew up on argument that was like right for the heart with me mm-hmm. yeah i'll be yeah. honest i did not care for vision season one at all for me it was like cool this is there. I think, this- the prob- I think the problem is that a lot of us don't watch anime. That's the and issue because I'm really not a big anime watcher. Anime yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this one, I really like Ardman. I didn't grow up on it, but I have like been around it for a while. And I think the stop motion animation element is really cool. And there's so- three stop motion Mm-hmm. Oh, season, so. see that yeah. makes me a little bit more excited. And, and I do know that favorite. Wedge Antilles has a cameo yes. in one of them. Oh, yeah, yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Slay. More and than just like, he made yeah. Wedge Antilles merch semi-canon. <laughs> exactly. So true. But Capitalism. that I was like <laughs> laughing about that so much. He <laughs> was like, come get more wedge merch. That was that was they the did other it for Kels. That was the other thing about this. I really liked the first season of Visions. Um I like to um uh, like in the Star Wars tabletop role playing game mm-hmm. campaign that I run I like to incorporate in things from visions oh. um uh but um I think season two of visions had a lot more stories that like could absolutely fit into yeah. Star Wars canon and like don't get me wrong I love the duel and Ronin and everything else that comes out of that like Ronin is one of the best Star Wars. Um, but it is so far removed from everything else. Um, and like, I don't know, I just, I, I like the idea of like um, the characters from I Am Your Mother that they could just meet Tem and Wexley and like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also feel but- like this season like branched out more and like, within like okay so like it's more stuff that could fit into canon but I also feel like they spread out a little more with like what they explored right because like season one um it was so Jedi every, heavy yeah, yeah every episode of season one featured a lightsaber uh mm. and there are several oh. episodes this season that do not have any lights because I was like I was like oh it's gonna be like season one I'm gonna try to spot all the moments where they have lightsabers and then like right. I got to like episode three and I was like, oh, there wasn't a lightsaber in this episode or whatever. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I feel like maybe the people that like wrote these episodes saw season one and was like, okay, so we've seen what people can do. Let's try to like do something else within the Star Wars universe. Like quite honestly, I feel like they're just building. Yeah. 
I definitely understand why it was mostly Jedi heavy, like because it was mostly Japanese art studios and, and anime yeah. studios. And, and we like, all I know, understand like, why they put yeah. a lightsaber in every episode because lightsabers are cool to animate. Like, right. <laughs> they yeah. look cool. But uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And then because Star Wars has its roots in, you know, Kurosawa films, um, stuff like that, I understand that part, but it does get pretty repetitive pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think. Like, not to say I didn't like Vision Season 1, but it it definitely was kind of, like, the same deal every time. But whatever. Um, Yeah, anything else that you guys can think of at all? Dan Nash Durango. Best pilot in the Outer Rim. So true. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. It's still so crazy to me that we're getting like actual High Republic stuff. Like there's actual High Republic merch now. It's a, it's the major plot point of a major video game. We're getting the Acolyte, which is a live action show with High Republic stuff. Like that's centered yeah. in the High Republic. That, that thing is just crazy to me because I'm, listen, January, 2021, I still had no idea what the High Republic was. I just knew that there was a new Star Wars book coming out. I thought it was pretty cool, but to see it progress from like this little tiny book to like everything else has just yeah. been so crazy. Mm-hmm. And like seeing the fan base grow and seeing all yeah. of like the new authors coming in and getting like all the stories and how they like jump back and forth between each other. That has been really crazy to me. And I don't think there's really been any sort of like media project, at least in Star Wars, that's done that and like has the kind of depth and growth that it's had which I think is freaking awesome and I not I'm worried about when Acolyte comes out because I just know I know that people are gonna be like oh what is this blah, 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 blah. but read the books literacy prevails <laughs> on that note let's talk about the YA books of phase two Path of Deceit by Tessa Grattan and Justina Ireland, and Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott, the man himself. So we can start with Path of Deceit, which came out in September, like late, mid to late September. I don't know. Um, and then we have a couple of characters that I think will that are pretty constant throughout both books. But we should start with the woman, the myth, the legend herself, Marta Rowe. I know that. The High Republic release on this podcast. She, yeah, take it away, you two. Martyro. <laughs> I remember um, okay. when when we were at celebration and you had your Path of Vengeance copy. You said you said something about how um, the very first sentence in Path of Vengeance is Martyro, or like the very first word is yeah. Martyro. Um, Marta Rowe is, I mean, so I phase two, love, yeah. I, I was going to say, two, I love when yeah. women are complex and Marta Rowe is definitely that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. I also love, um, I love that phase two has a lot more like non-Jedi as central, not yeah. central, but like lead, yeah. lead characters. Yes. Yes. Not that phase one didn't, you know, we had Leox, we had Affy, mm-hmm. um, we had Syl and Jordana, mm-hmm. but um, 
the story still centered on the Jedi largely, whereas this story centers on the Narda and Yana. Yeah. Um, uh, and like you really can't talk about one without talking about the other. Yeah, no, I agree. They are such a pair. Uh, and you can immediately tell, even though they're such different people, um, like at the start of Path of Deceit, you know, Marta is this gentle, caring, um, always, uh, you know, doing things for others. And Yana is. Uh, aloof and kind of aggressive and um, we know that she like goes out kills people and steals things Um, but you can immediately tell that they're family because like their interactions are written so genuinely uh, because they they have a lot of things similar Uh, and I mean to have the story of these two books center on this relationship between two young women, um, like 18 and 20 years old, something around there, um, is, I don't, it's just really, really cool. And it's done so, 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 so well. And uh, I, I really like, like, Yana and Marta like how they are presented together like they have the same background um they are the same species so they deal with the same like prejudice against their species and they um you know they come from the same trauma like losing their parents uh and then joining the path um but then seeing like their different relationship with the path is so interesting and like tells you so much like about their characters um like how marta is kind of like all in with the path like she believes uh what the path of the open hand is teaching she loves the mother um and then yada like never really buys into it like the path Mm -hmm. for her is like a means to an end it's so that she and marta can have a place to live um she sticks around because uh she falls in love um but she never really is like totally on board with what the path is teaching she doesn't like believe their beliefs um stuff like that and I think the the like contrast between them is so interesting mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah and I like I think... that that oh oh no ahead. you go no go <laughs> I like that that contrast is rooted in their kind of different relationship with their uh kind of core trauma of losing Mm -hmm. their family being dropped off with the path um because yana was old enough to like concretely remember it um and to have received these concrete lessons on oh well you'll never be trusted so you can never trust anyone else Mm -hmm. um you'll you know our species doesn't belong anywhere so you'll never belong anywhere um and she's got these very she's very much internalized these ideas about Evereni, about what she is um and marta hasn't 
in Path of Deceit. Um, she's obviously, we know, faced a lot of the same discrimination as Yana, um, with them both being forced to uh, stay in a room away from all the other children because they were seen as dangerous just because of what they were. Uh, but she was so much younger that she and she never knew a life outside of the path that she always mm-hmm. just accepted it as how it is um uh, and i think that that is really interesting to play with to as an interesting story to tell um yeah and i think you can and- definitely see that continuing throughout the both books yeah. And I was going to add something to the whole thing with like how they deal in different ways with like the discrimination against Everini and like how people don't trust them and things like that. And Marta very much like tries to prove them wrong almost. Like, she, you know, she files her nails. She tries to be this like soft person um, to try to like be like, not all Everini are like that, basically. Well, Yana kind of leans into it. She's like, well, I am a killer, so I will work for the path, you know, like doing these different tasks that the mother have has the children doing. Um, and like, yeah, so I, I find that contrast interesting, too. Yeah, I think, I mean, I know this is skipping a little bit ahead to Path of Vengeance, but um, I also think it's interesting how as much as they're contrasted, it in the end, uh, I think especially in Path of Vengeance, we see just how similar they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously with like seeing the ghost um, as like this like manifestation of like they're processing the death of losing someone they loved and then that ghost kind of being like a way Almost for them vindictive. to- Yeah, like, and it's a way for them to like, uh, like their conscience almost like process their inner thoughts. Like obviously core- for Yana is a lot kinder than mm-hmm. Kevmo is for uh, Marva or Mar- Marta. Um, but also it's so interesting because I think in Path of Vengeance, we really see how they are very similar. Like I think especially at the end, we see this kind of kinder side come out with Yana, um, with the young, mm-hmm. uh, with the little. And then as we see Marta, kind of become more aggressive and and lean more into that uh maybe the stereotypes especially when she like attacks the mother um and I think like that's how you can really see that like they were raised in such similar circumstances like that's when you really start to like see like oh yeah these are two people who experience the same stuff like they are just and like because but then because of every the new trauma that they've gone through they've almost in the sense kind of flipped the way that they've reacted yeah um, right like it's it's so it's so interesting and um yeah and I think I think it's interesting to see the reactions to Marta from the fandom because it's like it is completely understandable right because at some points reading her is so frustrating because yeah. you're like you yeah. are being manipulated, manipulated you are being blinded and like it's you uh, and like you fully agree like and and even Yana like gets frustrated she's like she is like she cannot see what's actually happening she's letting her faith and like not only that but like obviously since we 
are so familiar with the Jedi through everything, there is a frustration of like, this is not what the Jedi are. And like, yeah, this is not how the force works. Um, but, um, I also think in a lot of ways too, like, I think, and I think that was a discussion that a lot of people had that for those of us who have kind of at one point been, especially in like a Christian religion, she is deeply relatable that moment of like you're so frustrated with her in a sense because she was you at one point in your life where you're like I believed things like that that like uh and I and I let myself be feel like guilty or whatever because of how church leaders told me I should feel so it's like it's hard because like I think yeah like one point like you either have the reaction of like oh Marta is so me and I love her and I relate to her or like Marta is so me and I hate that and I'm frustrated by her constantly yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I know a lot of people like especially at the end of Path of Deceit and like the like the conclusions that Marta come to comes to at the end of that book um like I know a lot of people were very annoyed by that and like I remember after Path of Deceit people saying like they didn't like Marta and I was like I understand where you're coming from but also she is so relatable because like I I can't say that at one point in my time I wouldn't have made the same conclusions um and like like I definitely understand where she's coming from um and know how she got to the like decision that she made I I I don't know why I'm like dancing around it like I'm trying to avoid spoilers but like at the end (laughs) of uh Path of Deceit you know she decides like oh Kevmo died because he was using the force improperly instead it was like the opposite Kevmo died because uh the mother is awful and set the leveler on him you know like and it it's just one of those things where it's like that is what Marta has learned her whole life though if you use the force there's going to be consequences and now this is her scene like oh there was consequences this person that I know that I loved used the force too much for my opinion and um is now dead and like we don't want this to happen to other people so that means we need to stop everyone from using the force and then like this is getting into Path of Vengeance, but, like, she's also, like, a little frustrating in that book, I guess, because she yeah. continues to go down that line of thinking, like, um, this whole, like, idea that nobody should be using the Force, and if you are using the Force, then you deserve whatever punishment you get, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, but it's because she, like, has fallen into that line of thinking, and it's, like, hard to escape from what you have been taught like your whole life basically yeah and I think it's oh go ahead the reactions to Marta because I read Path of Deceit in January so it was a couple months after most of you guys had read it and like I didn't know any spoilers really but I had seen reactions especially to like Marta at the end so the entire time I was like she's gonna kill Kevmo isn't she and then when it got to the end and it was just her continuing to be manipulated by path I was like really you guys are freaking out about that like (laughs) I thought she was gonna commit murder I thought she was gonna commit atrocities (laughs) (laughs) yeah I also think it's oh 
Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting how we see Marta's like, not, not hatred at this point, because now she knows that the mother has been manipulating her. And like, again, this is getting in a path of vengeance, but I feel like we can't really talk about the characters without talking about both books. Um, but like definitely in the, was it an epilogue or was it just the last chapter? I think it's just the last chapter. Okay. Give me a moment. (laughs) But yeah, in the very last place that we see her, we see the two cousins go off in their separate ways. And it's just really interesting to see how Marta's like, not, not hatred or avoidance, but like, I, I don't know how to phrase it, but how we see her feelings about the Jedi eventually like snowball into the place that we see Martian Rowan and how we see like the original plans of the mother kind of fall into play in Martian's eventual like you know destruction of the galaxy or whatever and I'm I'm really interested I I want to know what happens to Yana now at this point because in on Wikipedia it, I'm not sure if this has been confirmed, but apparently I was looking last night as I was um, drawing up this agenda, but it was, it's according to Wikipedia, somehow we know that Marta gives birth to Marcian Rowe's grandmother. So that makes Marta Marcian's great grandma, great, yeah, great grandmother. And I don't, I'm not sure where that's like. I don't think I've yeah. seen any confirmation of that. Yeah, I, uh, I think but, that makes the most sense. To yeah, me. yeah, but, but it hasn't been like officially I, confirmed. I don't think it's been I, confirmed. I will okay. say that, like, because that moment, I do think whether like we know or not, I think that last moment when she's sitting on the gaze electric with and paints the, the three lines paints and paints the three lines, line. I think that was totally to be like that is Martian. Oh no, definitely right. Yeah, but like. Um, and I and think that was really know. cool that like parallel, yeah. especially between like thinking of like kind of the last chapters of like the, um, like I'm thinking like Light, Light of the Jedi and Rising Storm specifically where you have Martian like sitting and plotting and then to yeah. have Marta sitting and plotting with the leveler mm-hmm. by her side. Like it, it was just kind of perfect. Yeah. Um, and we do know that in Tales of Light and Life, we're getting Tessa Grattan's story, Closed Fist Has No Claws. Um, which is about Marta after. Interesting. Um, okay. So that could be where we finally get some of those answers concretely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I wanted to bring up a, Yana and Marta are so similar and they just, yeah. So, but they're, they go through a lot of the same thing. They both fall in love with a force sensitive mm-hmm. and they both lose those force sensitives to the mother um core for sensitive um yana's amazing beautiful show-stopping nautilin girlfriend um uh and kevmo um and how they react to that is so interesting because for yana it was like she took this as well, this just confirms everything that I knew about the mother, about how terrible she mm-hmm. is. Um, it confirms everything that I knew about the Herald, about worse Pluth. Um, worse. <laughs> how, how, like, he's able to be so callous about the death of his daughter. Um, 
and she took the and you know she wanted to immediately enact this as um okay I'm gonna go kill the people responsible for killing my girlfriend but we see that uh as the as Path of Deceit ends and as we start getting into the comic which I guess we'll talk about later Mm -hmm. uh we see her kind of we see that resolve kind of turn into well I just don't want anyone else to get hurt by them Mm -hmm. yeah Um, like her a lot of her actions are fundamentally based on like care for others like oh I'm going to leave Kor and Marta behind in Path of Deceit because this is where they belong this is what's best for them like it's, I mean, it's probably not what's actually best for them, but it's what will give them the best life. Even if it's not like the best life that could be possible, it's like the best life that is possible or that I think is possible. Um, like sh- she's misguided in a lot of her actions, of course, you know, she's not omniscient, but mm-hmm. her motives do seem mostly based on like I just want what's best for everyone else mm-hmm. yeah um and like she she wants like freedom for herself like that is kind of a core thing for her is like she just wants to be free of this um but like she doesn't want to just like climb over everyone else to get there she doesn't want to drag people along with her um to her detriment actually yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas Marta, uh, she loses Kevmo, and she just takes that as she uses that to double down. She uses that yeah. to be like, "Oh well, obviously, uh, it's, because it's because of all of this. Yeah. It couldn't possibly be that the mother is bad. It couldn't possibly mm-hmm. be that." Uh, the path is wrong and then when she has irrefutable evidence that the mother is bad she's still able to justify it as well the mother's bad because she abuses the forest yeah Um, yeah and this is just more reason why we need to stop the abuse of the forest Mm -hmm. and I just they're so and like that's what makes it feel like when you get to the end and they kind of you know through the little outelier you see like that complete seemingly complete flip of like now Marta's the angry aggressive violent one and Yana's the um kind and caring one it's like well no it totally fits with where they were at the start yeah I think they just gained more elements of each other like how Yana was a lot more aggressive in the beginning, but now she right. like she was shown kindness by not only Jedi, but also Marta, even after cutting her hand off. You can see her that really kind of change her, you know, her worldview and her decision in the end to like stop fighting him, just like go off somewhere. But and then we see the side of Yana in Marta, where we have the aggressive traits that she's that she was shown, like the kind of not confrontative. But like, I don't know. I can't think of words, but the kind of 
the kind of attitude that Yana had and like still has, we see that starting to come out in Marta. Assertive, assertive. I think that's what I'm trying to say. But we we see that side coming out in Marta and she was always bound to go off in the gaze electric. I mean, she was always like, she was talking about it in Path of Deceit, but like to see it like physically come, come forth and manifest itself in her final journey is I think really interesting and kind of contributes to, I don't want to say they're foils of each other because they're really not. It's just interesting to see how the teachings of the path influence their future decisions. Yeah. And I also think when um, we're talking about like how oftentimes, uh, you know, things that are to Yana's detriment, I think to really everyone's detriment, including Marta's is underestimating herself Mm -hmm. um right because I mean clearly we see that constantly with Marta's as she underestimates herself she is further manipulated by the mother and then pushed aside by her um but also like we see that like because the mother underestimated uh Marta that led to her demise completely Mm -hmm. uh I think even, you know, the Herald underestimating Marta led to his demise and it led to Yana getting her hand cut off, (laughs) like underestimating Marta and, and what she was capable of. And also like, I think her ability to kind of come to her, I think the ability for her to break out of sort of that like manipulation, um, because Yana, I think, pretty much assumed that she would have to, like, she kind of had to do it for Marta. Like, she would have to take her away, and then it would be okay. And mm-hmm. then the mother just figured it would hold, but no. And then that's, like, what happens. And I mean, honestly, and, like, obviously, like, Yana pretty much forgives Marta for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's interesting to look at that, yeah, and see, like, how and then even herself like it held her back for so long um instead of just like by asking for what she wanted instead of taking it basically yeah Mm -hmm. so true um any or go ahead do we want to move on to another character in Path of Deceit? Because uh, we've kind of started talking about some of the other oh, yeah. ones. But yeah, no, yes. totally. I was actually um, just about to say we should start talking about the plots, the plutes. The plutes, <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> um, and Worth, Opari, and Core. I can't get over Worth. Why? And why does it sound like that? <laughs> so whenever uh, I was reading uh path of vengeance out loud to my partners every time I would have to say the name worth we would have to pause and giggle for a second <laughs> I don't know I don't think I knew it name, was but it's just so I, I don't think so... I knew it was worth until right now I think I was saying <laughs> <read>. <laughs> I was like, yeah worth like my my one twitter friend Elzar um they're still they're still reading phase one but they've seen pictures of the Herald and they make jokes like oh damn 
he's so fine. He's so fine because they have a thing for Nautilus. And I mean, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I am also a Nautilus fucker. But um, so I, I told them that his name was Worth. And they were like, what? <laughs> what do you mean his name is Worth? So now they only refer to him as Worth. Worth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember when Path of Deceit first came out, like when I first learned the Herald's name, I think I only tweeted out like Worth, like it all came <laughs> a bunch of are question marks. <laughs> it's just, but I think the, you know, the, the meme where it's like buff doge and then like sad doge where he's like sitting in a corner or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the buff doge is like the herald and then like the sad doge is worth. It's worth. <laughs> <laughs> because I think the contrast of having like such a powerful name as like the herald and that's for your real name to be worth. <laughs> it's just, it's very, very funny. And every single time I read his name in Path of path of vengeance i just had to like say it out loud and giggle a little bit <laughs> i think um the mother should have also had a silly name alicia I is agree. like a good name i think her name should have been like susan or something I <laughs> like something that's like not very intimidating <laughs> tabitha that's, that's how you say no, Susan. I think it's that's Alessia. That's a real mom name. Alessia. I thought it was like Alessia. I. This is a. I've always said Alicia, but maybe I, I thought it was like a. Well, but I, I guess Alessia. Alicia kind of would make sense because it's Olivia and it's spelled like that. Mm, so like yeah. it would kind of make sense if they were more like it was a basic name but with a weird spell. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> this, is giving, this is giving me flashbacks to reading dystopian books when I was like 13 and everyone's <laughs> name is spelled really weird. Like, <laughs> oh, and then it's like um, Aaron and you're like, okay, I guess. <laughs> there's there's a quote that I feel really encap this is going back to Yama. Sorry. Uh there's a quote <laughs> that I feel in Path of Deceit really encapsulates Yana's modus operandi, um, which is uh, she's talking to Marta about Marta and Court, and she says, I love you both. I love both of you more than the breath in my lungs, but I know you and Court belong here. And like yeah. that is kind of the core of everything in her actions in this book. She's kind of Kira coded if you think about it. How and dare how... you say that with Liv on this call? <laughs> and and how you're right. She knows. She knows that the best thing you could do that she can do is to lead the people she loves. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Wait, I have another quote. <laughs> A for lot this of one. things. I, I have another quote for this one. Reach yet? You can't do this to me. <laughs> Oops. Um. <laughs> I there's another quote for this one. Da, 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 da. Where is it? She wouldn't ask Cor or Marta to come with her. Cor knew she was leaving, and if she wanted to come with, she'd say so. Yana didn't know what she would do without Cor's steady presence, but she also loved her enough to not ask her to go. Or maybe she was just afraid of what the answer would be. Like it all comes back to she loves people so, 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 so much, but she feels like she shouldn't. And she feels like she can't trust anyone because she feels like she can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's what her mom told her. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
we we love mommy issues yana bro yeah i also sorry now that we're talking about yana rose mom i think i said something about this like back when path of deceit was out on twitter but um i find it so interesting that yana and marta were like for a time until they died were raised by their mothers and um in like eye of the storm i believe it is we see uh asgar rose mother mm-hmm. um and it i it just gave the vibe to me that the everini are a very like matriarchal matriarchal yeah yeah uh, species and so i just find that so interesting then that Martian Roe was raised by his dad and like maybe that might have contributed a little to why he's so fucked up oh my god <laughs> daddy issues yeah, I... daddy issues yeah. Martian Roe yeah it like is. maybe he was supposed to have a mother in his life that would have <laughs> uh you know maybe taken a little better care of him than Asgard did um maybe and maybe that contributed so to some of his issues. <laughs> it is notable that um, Yana and Marta never refer to their fathers, only yeah. to their sires. Yeah. Sires, yes. yeah. Um, like so that's what, I feel about like Everini maybe are not animals. supposed to have father, like not 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 supposed to have fathers, but like maybe their fathers like, aren't supposed to be an active part of their lives. You right, know, like yeah. traditional, like the role of the male parent is yeah. not doesn't seem to be as much of a thing in yeah. what we see and of everyone's culture yeah and i wonder if like like part of it is marky's father like because there's not really any of their species left that like yeah he was kind of forced into the role yeah and like yeah. wasn't necessarily prepared for it especially if he only had if he had a grandmother, if he had a mother and a great grand, like, and his grandma was uh, Marta, the fact that, like, mm-hmm. he would have been raised by women and then he had a son and now he's mm-hmm. forced to, like, be a son. Like, I wonder, yeah, like, how much that, like, like you were saying, contributes to his issues and also potentially, I think, also contributes to maybe Marcion being like, I can kill him. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. With, I'll yeah. be With honest. Whatever. Oh, go ahead. With the exception of Markion and Asgard, every other Everenni that we see is a woman. Is a woman. Is a woman. Even yeah. the unnamed one in the like the one that steals in the little uh, <laughs> the one who kills and steals. No, in the um, in Eye yeah. of the Storm, there's the unnamed one who's like, "Oh, I brought wine. Can I sit by your right. fire?" And then kills everyone and steals all their stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, as Slam. like the little like parable tale of like this is what the Everenni do. Every right. other Everend that we see is a woman. I'll be honest. Whenever I see, like, whenever I think about Martian and, like, you know, how he came to be and how Asgar and his grandmother came to be, I'm like, if there are so few Everendi in the galaxy... Everenni is a dominant gene, apparently. I was going to say, it seems like that's <laughs> like a dominant gene. because It has to be, because like, I was really that few Everenni. Like, I, I think like they must have gotten with, like, something? humans. I, I was like, I assume they'd be humans and, like, 
they're the ever any genes are just so powerful. <laughs> when I was reading Path of Vengeance, I was like, could Bokana be Martian's like great grandfather? Does he yeah. have like little tusks under there somewhere <laughs> that like we just can't really see? Let's put see. a sideburns hide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, ever ready biology and um, procreation is something that <laughs> is weirdly a- at a forefront in the High Republic. <laughs> we can trust. Uh, we can trust. Hopefully, either George or Tessa or uh, Charles will finally give us an answer. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> <sighs> based on past performance probably tessa um uh oh plows we were supposed to be talking about the plows yes yeah uh opari deserves so much better oh that poor woman everything she's gotten um i'm glad that she had yana yeah Yeah. i hope Mm -hmm. her life from here on out will be an improvement to her life living with a path um if you yeah. miss your mother just take a mother and that was, <laughs> that's basically y'all this <laughs> yeah. yeah but my question a- is oh. yes. do you guys think that the mother was poisoning opari on purpose i think so yes at this point yeah. after, I, especially after with what we saw with um yeah. The what journalist, Rick. Yeah, oh, the, the Zevron, the Zevron lady. Yeah. 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 Like, and, and, and like, then the, yes. the soup kitchen kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I can totally see, like, maybe she was actually starting to get sick. Mm-hmm. But I totally think that the mother would have kept made it worse, kept yeah. it going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially I could even see it being a thing where like maybe she wasn't chronically ill maybe she just got sick and there was like a cure and the mother just kept her yeah yeah that state I don't know using her as like a a bargaining chip yeah Yeah. worth exactly like I think she came into this like cult and was like how do I take charge all right so there's this guy named the Herald that's in charge he loves his wife his wife is sick maybe she should stay that way and yeah I'm the only that's, one that that's has my the medicine too. yeah if she's giving her the medicine too it would have been so easy to like essentially yeah. like 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 the Tylenol murders the Tylenol yeah. murders like she puts a different amount of poison in the pills so oh she's yeah. she's doing better now because of the medicine but oh whoops she's doing worse now probably because yeah. like like when we see her in path of um vengeance I wonder partially if it's like you know clearly she's being kept in bad conditions which also right. is worse than mm-hmm. a sickness but like well, it's like something like the food or the drink that she was be get, yeah. it was given is also yeah. actively poisoning when her it- hence why she might have rejected it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah when we see her in path of vengeance I was like I physically felt sick to my stomach, like during yeah. that section yeah. of the book. Like it was talking about like the condition she was kept in and everything like that. And it, mm-hmm. I think it was really interesting. Uh, this is why, one of the reasons why I love like the High Republic, like phase two has been more spread out and I feel like the books are not as connected, but I mm-hmm. really like getting to see like the little connections between them. Like um, not to talk about the adult books, but in uh, Cataclysm, when it talks about like how they have all the like elderly 
like out yeah. in the in like the, huts be, like, or the whatever. first wave yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like like that that's just so reminiscence up. of like what's going on with it's, opari like yeah. they just it's, don't yeah. care about their elderly and their sick anymore mm-hmm. and those are just like there are means to lands, an end basically and it's, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they're like human shields yeah. yeah because they know that the jedi won't mm-hmm. attack when there's an innocent in between yep right um and the possibility that the I mean, the likelihood that the mother was intentionally stretching out Opari's sickness mm-hmm. is also um, not just to keep worth in line, but also to keep core Yana in line. In because line. it's not oh, yeah. And yeah, core. <laughs> Yana by extension. Because it's it's no secret that Yana and Core want are to together. Leave. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. no secret that they're together. It's no secret that they want to leave. Um, yeah. because like even even though Core like fully held to past beliefs, as far as we know, um, she still wanted to leave. She still wanted freedom. She didn't like how restricted she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping her mother on her deathbed uh, that seems a, like a sure way to do it. A very convenient way to keep her around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the mother seems to love to surround herself with force sensitives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Weird that. I am thinking now, I wonder if that was part of, which the thing is, I don't know how much the mother knew about the leveler and what exactly the leveler uh-huh. was going to do like before it hatched. But I do kind of wonder if one of the reasons she like sent Kor and Yana and the children off on that death mission was to get Kor like out of the way to like kill her off basically because oh, yeah, no. she knew the leveler was about to hatch soon. And if the leveler killed Kor, like that would turn the Herald against, like if the leveler directly killed Kor, I feel like that would turn yeah. Yana and the Herald and everyone else against the leveler. Yeah. But because- mm-hmm. Core was now out of the way. Like Core had died on an unrelated mission, which, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which uh, Yana air quotation like, marks. You can't blame together. the leveler at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh god, I, I think the Herald is so. He's such an interesting okay. character. I I hate to like no, I don't I hate to. But like obviously if Star Wars shows um if Star Wars cuz Star Wars is political and Star Wars specifically is a reflection of our real society. So like obviously the path it's not hard to connect what the path is currently if you live in America. <laughs> so the Herald to me is so interesting as like this symbol of a politician who is willing to switch and change their mm-hmm. beliefs to gain power and like, oh, I'm so firm against the mother until it can benefit me or until yeah. uh-huh. the people, my constituents are voting for her, for her so I will you know bite my tongue and go against her even if it's directly you know interest interesting 
how, you know, there was a certain politician who said something about a certain politician's wife. And then suddenly that politician is supporting him and making calls for him. I don't know, <laughs> kind of weird. That's a weird, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Any thoughts about that? Yeah. I, I, especially in Path of Vengeance. Yeah, I was like, I, so basically the Herald is Ted Cruz. And I also <laughs> that person we get, because even like people who meet him are like, his personality is rancid. <laughs> yeah especially in path of vengeance i feel like he does so much flip-flopping about oh yeah who he supports just like to whoever has his own power at the moment he's like oh my god i support them i've always supported them they're (laughs) you know like like, um can't stand her 10 minutes later me and the bestie yeah (laughs) that is worth wealth in a nutshell yeah Um, (laughs) wait i have to make that meme hold on (laughs) <laughs> love that eventually it stopped working out for him uh, good, for, good for good for everyone but the um but yeah. the herald yeah. basically I, marta Rowe is mitt romney yelling at, <laughs> at Chris, which was in, in the uh, in the like barricades at january 6th going this is what you've wrought, you've wrought on us. um it is it is telling that with work fate in path of vengeance uh i don't feel bad for him i only feel bad for opari and yana yeah yeah, yeah for real. Uh, because like yeah agreed he, i mean all of the plus all of the characters in this book have such layered relationships with each other mm-hmm. um because like worth and yana do not like each other yeah at any point they absolutely never not. like each other worth is a homophobe but they absolutely love each other and yeah. i think that's really yeah like they're not family uh they're not biologically related they're not related by marriage though yana would yeah, really like it ch- they're not even really way. chosen family they're not even really chosen yeah. family they're like they're, forced family basically they're barely even allies yeah um, mm-hmm. and yet like yana says that opari is the only family she has left um they like would absolutely go to bat for one and they do yeah. in um both Path of Deceit and Path of Vengeance. Like, mm-hmm. and it's such an interesting relationship because like, it's not healthy, but it is so real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, the plutes are like a very weirdly, I mean like incredibly toxic, but weirdly normal family for Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, Kor's Force-sensitive, but she's not, like, a Jedi or a Sith or anything. She's just a good acrobat. So Um, true. (laughs) Like, Opari is chronically ill, but, like, still trying to be involved in her family's life. And, like, Worth is just trying to... But he's also just trying to, like, secure the best possible future yeah. for his family like I he does while being a bitch love them. right 
I didn't think he's a good person, but he does care about his fam. Yeah. Oh, I, I guess. One thing that's so interesting about Worth also that I don't know that they, it's been a while since I've read Path of Deceit, but I feel like they didn't really touch on it enough is the fact that his like head tails have been cut off. Yeah. Um, and yeah, which should we makes ever me... get I, I think what they... that was? I Mm-mm. think they said at some point that that happened to him like it wasn't like yeah. he willingly cut them off or anything no like that. yeah that's but it what does, i figured it does and i think he said that it happened before he came to the path right it's yes. kind of implied yes. that it's like part of what pushed him toward the like it was yeah it mm-hmm. was even worse off before yeah and like the and path I, is kind of what let well, him get out and then out the of thing that. that's interesting to me is that almost seems to imply that at one point he was also force sensitive because uh at least in my opinion because um a i cannot say the name of what his species is for some reason i can't pronounce it and it was the biggest problem when i was reading path of vengeance but Nautilans. anyway not okay um <laughs> i think Nautilans uh head tails have something to do with the force is what i've read before like um because they give you i know a little bit about this yes so they emit pheromones that act kind of like the force that can like they emit pheromones that can interpret the emotions of things so that's why there is a lot of force sensitive Mm. nautilans and why kid fisto is like yeah so it definitely it's not exactly force sensitivity Hmm. okay this is why Kit Fisto is so chad so I also want to point out this is unrelated but once again we see these Nautilans who have absolutely no issue the poor versus the poor Nautilans in Padawan who were in the fucking trenches (laughs) just trying to breathe and like this one we don't even see like any concern for like oh no Cora or or needs water like (laughs) yeah I mean I think there was something about Opari like needing water in yeah. Path of Vengeance. Oh, yeah. Um, and like that's I'm probably sure part also, of her illness. It's, it's also in Padawan, they do say that like planet. it's because they're little children and they haven't like, they don't have like the membrane uh, yet. Yeah, that yeah that's them. true. But I do think it's funny to be like these Ooh. Chad Madeline's recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Versus the, the weak, the weak inbred, <laughs> malnourished baby Nautilus in Padawan. But yeah, that's basically why there's a lot of Force-sensitive Nautilus is that they already have a sort of heightened sense of like emotions and what's going to happen. But when you're Force-sensitive, it gets like multiplied. So is that's- that the same thing with- uh the the I also can't say it the uh zine species and Mickey-ins. we see like because that's oh Mickeyans yeah Mickeyans kind of yeah there, like, they do the have like they very... I think it's mostly like emotion shows in their tendrils I'm not sure if it's like a like a like an organ per se like a sensing organ but they do show their emotions through the little thingies. <laughs> It is really convenient for the mother that the three Nautilans that she interacts with, one of them is young and impressionable. One of them has had his uh, tendrils shorn and cannot use them to sense 
emotions, motives, whatever. And the third mm-hmm. is you on think her that's deathbed. also why right. she was if she was if the theory is she was poisoning her, is that also it is essentially weakening her ability to sense out so uh, over yeah. with like hey we gotta go yeah <laughs> you gotta do something about this lady <laughs> yeah, yeah that's i can point. see that i can mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. see that like it's a both like and like it controls the herald and now like weakens the ability to and that's part of controlling the herald so he's not listening to his wife being like i right. get bad vibes from this lady <laughs> right yeah the Pluths are so and isn't there a person in phase one of the high republic with the family named Pluth? uh let me check my high on dalna oh wait i wonder if um i mean it'd be kind of interesting if since yana has taken like if yana ends up maybe adopting that as like a family name um especially if marta does some like fuck shit maybe like yana is like hey maybe you're not good to go around introducing myself as a row when she's doing that yeah yeah (laughs) Um, there's a shanai pluth who is a pantoran oh on dalna shanai i'm just i'm just saying that's a pretty ever any sounding name (laughs) (laughs) very true yana the children (laughs) Oh my god, the Yana know. and Sashaification of Yana Rose. Yana <laughs> uh, uh, and Sasha. Sachi Sasha. The 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 handmaidens. I don't remember that. No, names. I'm 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 saying oh, she's Sasha's away. Um, <laughs> but we'll get to that. We'll get so to Shay Ganondra eventually. Mm-hmm. um yeah the flutes are so they're such an interesting part of the higher public that i personally haven't really like thought about a lot except up right up until now (laughs) but it's interesting to see how they were both instrumental and victims of the mother's plan Mm -hmm. and i think now that i think about it opari staying as sick as she was is definitely intentional and yeah. it just shows how the mother will basically use anybody as a means to an end while also preaching kindness and understanding and freedom so true i wonder how that fits into our society today nobody talks more <laughs> about freedom than those that want to take it away um, i i really just can't believe that they wrote Space Ted Cruz. I really am happy. <laughs> <laughs> like they really just were like, that's Ted Cruz. <laughs> I have a, I have I a never... sticker on my laptop with Ted Cruz on it, and it says, "This man killed my, my child." child. Yeah, my son. Son. yeah, and now I need to, someone to edit it so it's worth Pluth. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm literally making art right now. I'm never going to be able to reread these books without reading Worth's lines in. Ted Cruz's voice. voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anywho. uh, Do we have anything Um, else to say? About the Pluths? Not as of yet. Let me me just say, when uh, Kevin Scott said, yeah, the sex was good. (laughs) 
<laughs> sir the, the oh, flat oh, out like i have i have I, I have tabs specifically for those two the two moments that were the most like oh yeah Donna in court not only did they not only did they have sex they had sex often and it was good you can fair. cut all of this out because it's like whatever. no it's fine um, it wasn't time alone just the two of them breathing in each other's scents, exploring each other's bodies yeah. it wasn't just the that sex. part made so me sex laughing <laughs> um and then the other one is um marta had sampled plenty of nostraberry wine growing up but never too much not like yana who she'd seen rolling around with core after a bottle or two <laughs> canonical sex actress yana Rowe and core pluth well, to be fair, from what we saw in Path of Deceit with them, like, making out in the cave or whatever, uh, <laughs> like, y- yeah, they were definitely getting it on, for sure. How, how remember how Worth walked in on them? And, and wasn't <laughs> even surprised. <laughs> I think that a lot about how Yana by putting her hand around her throat. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Damn, y'all are freaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we need to move on to a different character, please? <laughs> yes, I think we should move on to the pansexual disaster, Kev Mozink. And by extension, <laughs> so his poor master. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Okay, Kevmo. I, when I was reading Path of Deceit for the first time, I was in love with Kevmo. I'll be real. He, he was just was such good ADHD representation. He was, he was, he was, was just like, like me for so real. relatable. <laughs> this is how my brain works. <laughs> the force is actually um, ADHD medification. Medification. <laughs> 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 Yeah. The force is yes. The force is yeah. a small dose of methamphetamine. I, not to jump straight to Kevmo's death, but <laughs> I have to say that was such a way to open up phase two. Um, and it did it did scare me a little because the last High Republic book I had read was The Fallen Star, of course. Oh and I was like, I know I have come to expect like nothing but pain from the High Republic. But, but that's like a step. <laughs> but like killing off your protagonist in the first book, what are we in store for this phase? So I'm really glad. Like, I think it was a good way to open up phase two because it really like got me hooked. But I am glad that they like stepped off that a little bit and that right. not all the other mm-hmm. books were just like death, death, death. Because I was really scared after Path of Deceit that that's what it was going to be. Because I was like, nobody knows about the leveler in phase two or in phase one. All these people that have encounters with the leveler are going to die. It's and actually just, just Yoda's like, fault. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yoda. Which like, again, not to talk about the adult books because that's not what we're here to talk about. But <laughs> I am so glad in Cataclysm they like cleared that up that like yeah <laughs> yeah the reason nobody knows about it in phase one is because Yoda and Creighton's son were like let's not talk about this it's because ever of a again. very intentional disinformation campaign yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, then um, Yoda, 
And then Yoda was just gone through like all of phase one. He's yeah. like, I'm on my retreat. Yeah, no, like, he's Yoda, like the one person Yoda who knows anything out. and he was on vacation. Yoda <laughs> had like one conversation with Tromac. Shout out to the whiny baby Tromac in these books. <laughs> Um, Not much has changed. Yoda had one conversation with Cromac and was like, mm, fucked up I did. Mm, <laughs> for, for real. And then he like comes in at the end of the night and he's like, I'm back. <laughs> I saved you. Don't ask me any questions. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, back to Kevo's death. My favorite thing is, um, I mean, this is awful, horrible, but uh, so Eli, my partner Eli, got super attached to Kevmo, like, before the book even came out, and I read Path of Deceit before he did, um, and he was like, can you just let me know what happens to Kevmo? Oh, like, no. He, he was like, he was like, is he, and I was like, oh, I think I, I sent, sent a message to him, and I was like, uh, well, it's, it's not great, um, <laughs> and he was like, Okay, just let let me know how bad it is. Cause is it like um he's been captured or is it just like he's been emotionally destroyed or whatever? And I was like I've certainly been worse, destroyed. Much worse. <laughs> <laughs> like the worst case scenario in his mind was like, oh no, he gets broken up with, or uh he'll be captured by the path of the open hand. Like, did not I've even seen- cross his mind that he's gonna straight up die um <laughs> captured <laughs> yeah yeah I guess in a way <laughs> but yeah so <sighs> yeah when the Jedi I... are like we're here for them I was like you're not gonna find them babes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm very glad that phase two allowed there to be a lot of character arcs that end with something other than death yeah yes Um, for sure and I also getting into path of vengeance a little bit here I'm very glad that we still got some of these characters even after they die um yeah you know we talked about uh core as the angel on Yana's shoulder uh we mentioned Kevmo as the devil on (laughs) Yana's shoulder yeah um And yeah, having um, this kind of absolutely the like apparition Kevmo wasn't the Kevmo that we no. know. No. Uh, it was very much like a construction in the form of Kevmo. Um, uh, but like getting to have that, getting to have, I mean, who else was like it. shocked when reading Path of Vengeance and it? like said Kevmo's name like me I I read the back of the book first and I literally texted Liv I was like what the fuck (laughs) because the the quote on the back is like Kevmo whispering to Marta or something I was like hold on the math is not mathing (laughs) and then when Yana tell I loved like when Yana tells that story about how like in the bar somebody said that like they could speak to ghosts and she punched them and then now she's like looking in like every like reflective surface she can yeah. see core. Like I was yeah. like, oh shit. Okay, I found the text I sent to it wasn't Liv, it was the Florida men. Um, I found the text that I sent. It I literally said, Why the fuck is Kevmo there? 
<laughs> I, yeah. And I, so much credit to Kevin Scott for that whole part, because every time that, uh, because uh, it, this is something that Kevin Scott has done before, because in Rising Storm, Markeon is yeah. haunted by Asgard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's haunted by Asgard covered in blood with his face caved in. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And not just as he was in the moment of his death, as he was like the moment after his death when Markeon kept kicking. I think a lot about that. Um, and like Kor is soaking wet in her as she yeah. appears to Yana. And, and Kevmo is, Kevmo is crumbling apart. <laughs> like when yeah. she talks uh, about how like the like water came like over her lips, like when yeah. she yeah. smiled or something. And like Kevin Scott, I am not just in your walls. I'm in your floors. I'm in your <laughs> Um I'm I'm chewing on your electrical cable. <laughs> I, I also also he did such a good job of having this just visceral reaction every time because even if it doesn't explain every time like oh Kevin was crumbling apart as he says this oh Cor is dribbling ocean water as she says this like you still have that reaction to it as like oh right the corpse is back yeah. um, <laughs> and I, I think it's interesting like, I don't know if you had this, but every time that Core would start to talk, I would just be thinking like, Donna, listen to her. Yeah. Listen to her. Yeah. And every time Kemba would talk, I'd just be like, Marta, stop talking <laughs> to him. Do not <laughs> listen to him. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this is just um, kind I also of like- find it so interesting that Yana and at least as far as I remember, unless I forgot something, Yana and Marta never discuss it with each other. Like never. they are no. the one people who could like understand because they're both dealing with it like I feel I I feel like there was even a moment where like they are both thinking about like the the people over their shoulders or whatever but they don't yeah. say anything to each other mm-hmm. right like how do you tell them that without sounding crazy yeah right. yeah yeah that's yeah yeah like but I think it's so interesting how like uh like of course Corey is really sweet but like um how like Kevmo says things that he wouldn't say in real life but like part of me is like I don't know if if Corey would say it either because like she's like Yana leave Yana leave like whereas yeah, like yeah. I think before it would have been like I don't know Yana maybe you should stay for or like whatever like I mean, yeah do I have to pull out the <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> while you're doing that I just want to say that Star Wars should do more horror because not only crumbling Kevmo, wet core, but also the fucking like spider thing that they come across on Planet X. I was like, I need like a visual representation of this now. Horror in Star Wars is something that's like not really talked about, but like Death Troopers from Legends is one of the best Star Wars books. I maintain that. It's still my favorite Legends book. Um, whatever the fuck this creature was on Planet X, I was like, I, I, I just need to see the it. Underdweller. Yeah, the yeah. Underdweller. Like, I need to see it with my own two eyeballs. Yeah. 
and I hate that we got less concept art this phase yeah Yeah. I would have liked concept art like I guess part of it is it is nice to like just be reading about something because then your mind like makes up like something that's probably like scarier than whatever they could draw but mm-hmm. also like I would like to see it yeah, <laughs> yeah. That and, and the like, and the protector thing yeah uh, yes. both of those things on planet x I would and like to even see. the leveler has like especially in this phase like a very horror element to it where like yeah we're not affected by it like I know like you know whenever Yana or Marta describes it it's like skeletal really and, yeah like yeah. really grotesque and they kept they kept saying how it's getting bigger and like yeah like it's like feeding like um like that like even I think I because obviously it has a horror element in phase one because you can't see it yeah so it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's like that but like in this where it's kind of like more of like it's scary because of how it looks now that you know yeah. what it can do and also how it looks it makes it worse mm-hmm. right yeah. I um, think the higher public in general has been a very good avenue for horror like even in um in phase one with monster of pimple peak like that was definitely like when dark. it was unknown into the dark. Yeah, definitely. That kind of element of the unknown of like what the Drengear were and like what the statues were protecting. Yeah. I, I just think they should do more horror in general. And I think we should have more scary Star Wars shit. And I think that's why a lot of people liked Trail of Shadows because that it it was definitely more noir and leaned into those themes of like horror and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, I just, I, I appreciate how the higher public has, has been kind of this vehicle for horror themes and adjacent stuff like that. Anyways, Leah, continue. <laughs> you should have asked me to go. I would have said yes. Yana reeled as if struck. But your mom and the path and your dad, I couldn't ask you to leave everything you love. I love you more, Cora said. Mm. Damn. I'm just saying, I think that it would be in character for Cora to to tell Yana to leave. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's also interesting how Cora doesn't often pop up when um, she's talking with her parents or like with Cora's parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's really interesting. I like she's doing it all because like that's what Cora would have wanted. Cora would have wanted her to like save her dad to take her mom like all that stuff but she is not there to like confirm that Mm -hmm. yeah uh Uh, any thoughts about about oh go ahead i was just wondering if we we were oh yeah oh well that was that was my question (laughs) okay Uh, do you have anything to say about zala macri i mean we only got her in one book and she was kembo's master yeah she was i yeah. yeah, I like Zala. I think she was really cool. I feel like I have sort of mixed feelings on Zala because I don't necessarily know that she was like the best master for Kevmo specifically. Like I feel yeah. like sometimes yeah. she gave the vibe that like she didn't know how to deal with like his, I don't want to say ADHD, <laughs> but basically, like, yeah. <laughs> or even sometimes I was like, why do you even have the pedal? <laughs> yeah Yeah. like did you want a pedal at all yeah Mm -hmm. and I I think I think just like the like seeing her I was like okay she's like an okay master or whatever but then seeing like Solandra's show in uh Quest for Hidden City um and her Padawan Rupert and like their interactions I'm like 
this is what like a master of Padawan <laughs> should be. I can't um, stop. I can't start talking about <laughs> Rupert and Salandra because I won't stop. Um, <laughs> uh, like, so. I mean, even the way Maddie, my <laughs> <laughs> even the way Maddie talks about both her master that passed and Libon, uh, Libon and Vildar. Yeah, like. It's so, yeah, it's very different than how Kevmo right. talked about his master. Right. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Maddie, let's get into this LGBTQ queen because we were, we were talking about this before we started recording when she, when she said like she had a crush on Olivia Zeveron, I literally like my mouth dropped open and then Leah. I dropped the book. And I was reading this at Celebration and I was in, I was sharing a room with uh, my friend Brittany and I dropped the book and gasped. And she was like, who died? (laughs) Um, Straight Maddie Cathley, that's who. I love that um, when we first saw the concept art for Maddie, where it has her right next to Olivia, (laughs) <laughs> the reaction that I saw in the fandom to that concept art was we all just pointed at it and were like I know what you are um, <laughs> and we were right in the end she's just like me for real ADHD can't shut up bisexual like truly <laughs> oh, she's exactly. just like me for real <laughs> like you guys were saying how Kevmo was so relatable to you guys nah that was Maddie for me that's <laughs> me for real what does it say that Yana is the one I think is the most relatable? Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Maddie Cathley. I she is great in the comics, and then like Path of Vengeance. Oh my god, really? She, fun. yeah. But also, like, okay, so the the release order for Phase Two has been kind of weird. It, yeah, um, as we have talked about. So Path of Vengeance technically spoils the end of the comics, which are not out yet. Um, But (laughs) I think so much of what Maddie goes through in Path of Vengeance, like, has now been, like, this most recent issue of the comics, I was like, I can definitely see why she was so frustrated in Path of Vengeance that nobody was listening to her because she, like, led this whole thing in Jetta, like defending everybody off from the enlightenment like all by herself basically she was like telling other people what to do like she was kind of in charge and then like you get to path of vengeance and everybody's just like you're a padawan be quiet like i would also be acting the same way she was that like she was so like upset about that yeah Yeah. and Um, i think so a lot of the reasons when she talks about master Libon, which was her old master in mm-hmm. Path of Vengeance is how she treated her like, like an equal, like, yeah. because I think their relationship is unique in how they treated each other and how, again, like Master Lehman, like listened to Maddie and took into account her like opinions on things. And then we have her and Olivia where Olivia, again, is just kind of like, you know, shut up. You're a Padawan. I'm a knight. Let me do my thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, she, it, Maddie is obviously very independent, individualistic, like not selfish, but you know, on a yeah. certain path that she has set for herself. And Olivia is like, she's similar, 
but she goes about it in a different way that's almost demeaning and just mean. <laughs> um, and then I, I don't really have much more to say about that, but I will say that Maddie is definitely, my adoration for Maddie definitely like went up a yeah. few notches once I finished reading Path of Vengeance. I love yeah. Maddie so much. I don't know how to put it into words. But after reading Path of Vengeance, like, I, I, I'm obsessed with her. And, like, the way that she is, she is written, I don't know why or how, but it, that is what made me want to read the rest of the Higher Public stuff. Like, it's, some, it's, wow. Like, <laughs> We've talked about this before. I think we talked about this with Sage and Claire, but there's something about the way that Kevin Scott writes women. I don't know what it is. Like yeah. it's really weird because like like it's not a man. Say, like it's a man and there a lot of the high, I think a lot of specifically the higher public and Star Wars authors in general are pretty good at writing women. Some are the exception, but like there is something about the way that he writes the fact that this is a book led primarily all by three female leads. Yeah, three that's, queer female. What's something leads. I yeah, wanted queer, to bring up yes. is. Path of Vengeance, all the POV characters are women. And mm-hmm. and, and like they said, we're, they're all queer as well. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. And like, but like, there is just such like a, like, I, I, I'm like suspicious. I'm like, why do you have such a deep under, why do you have such a deep understanding of teenage girls? <laughs> why, why, why do I feel like, like the fact that he can write that and it's like, oh like he understands the experience of like being a teenage girl like <laughs> it's crazy yeah uh, yeah and I know a lot of people said that in phase one too based on how he wrote uh Avar and then also um Keeb. like it's just like I mean I really applaud him and like I was initially a little bit nervous I was like I don't love that they're switching from like a non-binary femme author to a, a male author you know whatever but like no like it was it was incredible and like I said yeah. on Twitter uh and Kevin liked it <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Scott should just write a romance book like I'm not even talking about like a romance in I I mean obviously write the tape build our romance book <laughs> format but I'm not even talking about like in romance Star- yeah like I'm not even talking about in Star Wars I'm just talking about Kevin Scott writing like a straight up yeah. adult or YA romance because yeah. he's writes that really well yeah he really does yeah yeah so slay yeah and I didn't know Maddie like I didn't I haven't read the comics so I didn't know well, Maddie until here but yeah she was such a fun character and like even this I felt like it was a pretty good for like a character's arc obviously started in the comics I feel like they did a good job giving her an arc that felt satisfying even for those people who haven't read the comics yeah yeah mm-hmm. and there is something I wanted to say about that the the triad and I were talking the other day about how the one thing that we feel a little eh on on like as far as um how phase two was like um advertised I guess is the comics make it seem like Maddie is like a huge oh, no, yeah. part of the comics. And like she is, but not as like the comics are really Vildar and Tay's story. Um yeah. and like she's in the comics and like she has an important role in the comics, but like 
she, I, and I don't want to say sidelined, but like, um, I know I, uh, Pat on Twitter was talking about the other day that um, she had talked to Kevin um, at Celebration and like kind of asked him about that. And he said, yeah, really, we wanted the comics to be Bill Darnte's story. Like this was intentional. And then Path of Vengeance was going to be Maddie's story. Like we wanted to introduce her in the comics. But I think part of that, like the reason why the advertisement was a little weird because Maddie appears on a lot of the covers and don't get me wrong I'm not complaining because I love the way Maddie looks and she looks great on the covers but and the um, fact that she got concept art not right not only just like she's going to be in the comics but the fact that she got standalone concept art which I don't think Bill and Tay got no they haven't um but yeah so uh I think one of the reasons they put her on so many of the comic covers and stuff like that is because Tay was supposed to be kind of like a surprise that like he was going to be a main character because like Mm -hmm. he was originally set up as like a villain like in the first issue he kills Vildar so (laughs) uh um but yeah so like I think they didn't want to give away how much Tay was going to be an important part of the comics and you can't just have Vildar on every comic cover (laughs) like like Vildar is not that interesting like character design wise like, yeah, yeah exactly like it would be a pretty boring looking comic if every uh comic cover was, was just, just some, some white man right exactly so like I think that's why Maddie wound up on so many of the covers um and I do think like maybe that was Like, I think maybe people set their expectations that, like, Maddie was going to be a huge part of the comics, and she wasn't really, and I think people were a little let down by that, but I think Path of Vengeance, like, completely made up for that, because she is such an important character in Path of Vengeance, and, like, you really get that whole, like, arc with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, I I think that the comic cover thing is, it's largely a consequence of, like, how the production and, um, promotion cycle for comics is because like you see comic covers and solicits and stuff so far in advance yeah Yeah. and since the comic is so much there's less per issue than there is with like a book mm -hmm. like you can have a like you know the the inside cover or whatever of a book and it's like and it doesn't give away that much but like even just a little synopsis for a comic can like tell you most of what happens in the comic yeah um especially if it's like the higher public comics are like a very action-oriented comic where it's like every issue is like boom 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 one right after the other very short period of time um which I'm loving I'm loving this very like granular little story that we're getting yeah um, where it's very focused in on like these two three people Um, in this literally like day and a half span of time um I think it's a very interesting story space to play with yeah um but yeah unfortunately like you're going to see comic covers like several months in in advance especially when it's the high republic and and they like to tease these things really far in advance Mm-hmm. And like Eli and I have talked about, um, like we we're, we're just curious how far in advance the artists like even get like what they're supposed to be doing the covers on. Because I think it's, it's so two many... to four months. Okay, is is, for, well, is what like I'm before gleaning. before the cover comes out. I guess is what it is. Yeah, or... I think okay, so. Because well, because Eli and I were talking about like 
so many of the covers that do have Tay on them make him look like some evil little gremlin thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was initially set up to be the villain. Uh, like, that's kind of how, like, his character was teased or whatever. So I feel like a lot of the artists were like, oh, well, he's the bad guy, so I'm going to draw him, like, evil or whatever. And, like, within the comic, he doesn't really look like that. But especially, like, the earlier, like issues like he does look like some sort of like terrible monster <laughs> like not somebody that Vildar Max should kiss on the mouth <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit of romance yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah anything else about Maddie um, uh, Yana and Maddie for real. Uh. <laughs> yeah. um, Maddie, canonically one of the most powerful Jedi in the High Republic era. So yeah. fucking true. She was able to power through the fucking leveler. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Huh? She that was able to nice. talk about or power through the yeah, goddamn leveler. Crazy. There are three Jedi who have been able to power through the leveler like that. Emmerich Castor. Maddie Cassidy and Court. <laughs> yeah. Court. <laughs> Good oh, for did, him. Did Emmerich kind of, or was it, or was? Cyan, no, it was. Or he managed to keep him because uh, in the last issue he managed to power through it and yeah uh, get some good hits on. And like, yes, it was yeah. with the help of of Cyan Yeah, yeah. Not, not he's like a he's like a half one. <laughs> right. He's yeah. like a half one. But Court and Maddie, completely on their own, completely Just of like, their own like, volition, were like, no, I'm going to power through this. And like, I'm still going to be very affected by it. Yeah. You know, I'm still going to feel fear, but I'm going to move through it. Yeah. Um, oh, true. Truly. I want to Women. Kim- Is it terrible to say I want to see Cantum Psy up against the leveler for how they react? <laughs> Um, no, oh, I think they could do though. fine. That, they would be. I think they would be a okay. Um, same with same with. Um, I mean, some of the other Jedi phase too. Like, I think I think Rupert could stand up to a leveler and be okay. Yeah, because um, Solandra did okay, all things considered. Yeah, um, she did. She's so slay. I mean, yeah. Like, I was like, Creighton and Adia did. Yeah. Creighton and Ada okay. did Ada, Ada, okay. Ada. <laughs> uh, uh, it's okay it's a lot of help <laughs> Creighton did go a little dark side yeah um, not as sure. not as bad as as Rel poor poor yeah. little man oh and, god I'm just yeah. so nervous to see Aslan's side of the story in the manga Oh, is that where we're getting him? Because I kind of thought it was yeah. weird that they like introduced him and then like didn't mention yeah. him. And I was like, oh, he's Aslan, back. I was just Aslan thinking that him. One of the main characters of the manga. Okay. Uh, so it's like the, that's like the, um, oh, what was phase one's? Uh, edge of Balance edge or of balance. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So this is Edge of Balance Precedent. What it's yeah. called. Yeah. Very I excited for it. I have to say, I wish we would have gotten Quest for the Jedi like so much earlier than we did. Because I, like oh, supposed to. I did yeah. think Aslan died at in path of deceit i thought he was dead and so when he just showed up in path of vengeance i was like 
what? See, <laughs> I was just like waiting for him. And then I was like, did he, that's what I thought too. I was like, did he die somewhere? I was like, or is, I was like, if I remember yeah. his name, right. Maybe he showed up before I was like, wait, was I thought it was a new character. I'll be so real. <laughs> Cause I was, I really liked, I remember being like, when he showed up in Path of Deceit, I was like, oh, I really like him. And that seems like a cool setup. And then he just like disappeared for the both the adult books. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but also him being the origin of the lullaby. Yeah. 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 Quest um, of the Jedi was supposed to be the very, very first thing that came out. It was supposed to come out like before Path of Deceit, before um before Convergence, before yeah. I'm glad it didn't come out before started. Path of Deceit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I feel like it would have spoiled too much. But yeah, I I do wish it, we would have gotten it at some I, point earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Aslan is the origin for it the the lullaby and that Marta mm-hmm. is the origin for the name Nameless. The Nameless, yeah. yeah. Where she's like, oh, well, okay, yeah, that one's called the Leveler, sure. But like, this, th- this thing is so beautiful and perfect, it cannot truly be named. Yeah. I have chills, yeah. ooh. <laughs> yeah. Also, I am obsessed with Maddie being like, villains hey come come pick me up I'm scared (laughs) I'm scared people are singing lullabies at me and being related to path members (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) Uh, people are fucking insane why did she make me come on this mission (laughs) dads come pick me up people are doing drugs at this party Hello, editing Emily here, jumping in to say that this recording ended up being quite long, so we decided to split this into two parts. So this is the end of part one. We will release part two next week. That will include us finishing up talking about the books and then getting into the comics. So thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure to go follow both of our very wonderful guests um, on all of their social medias. Their links will be in the description. Make sure to follow us on all of our social medias and send us questions um, on both our Twitter and through our email. We love answering them so very much. We appreciate you all very much for listening and may the force be with you.